The information provided in this podcast episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a therapeutic relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Judith's love of agriculture began when she was just six years old. As a little girl, she always wanted a little red tractor. As a teenager, she worked with family members on the farm priming tobacco. In 2003, she began to work for a nonprofit that provided resources for minority farmers and landowners. She worked as the project manager, helping farmers to get their produce into markets. She educated youth on agriculture-related careers and created school gardens. While working with the nonprofit, she noticed they had a beehive. She inquired about the bees and how the bees make honey. It was then that Judith's love of bees began. Now as her business, Hampton Rose Honey, continues to grow, she shares her love for bees and agriculture with schools, networking groups, and businesses in the form of honey-related products, workshops, and online classes. Her goal is to bring fun back into agriculture. Family, let's welcome Judith Austin to the Minding My Black Business podcast. Welcome to Minding My Black Business. All right, family, welcome to a new episode of Minding My Black Business. And today we have such a special guest. Um, I am so excited to talk to her. Uh, When I discovered um, who she was and what she did, um, I just, I was hoping (laughs) that I could make contact (laughs) and she would reach uh, reach back out and she surely did um, immediately. So um, before I get started, um, we have Judith Austin with us of Hampton Rose Honey. So Judith, can you introduce yourself to the family? Hello, everyone. My name is Judith Austin, and I'm originally from North Carolina, and I've moved to Virginia Beach area three, three years ago. Mm-hmm. I am a beekeeper, mm-hmm. and I work in agriculture. What I do is I, I, share, I share with young people and adults as well. Mm-hmm. about agriculture. They help them to create community gardens. We learn about recipes, nutrition facts, and the result with work with me, they are able to find new respect in agriculture, mm-hmm. which a piece of it is the beekeeping. Oh, yeah. So where can they find you? Because you are on social media as well. So what um, social media accounts do you have? I have Facebook, which is Hampton Rose Hunting. Mm-hmm. And I also have an Instagram page, which is Hampton Rose Honey. Okay. Uh, my website is also www.hamptonrosehoney.com. Okay. So what I'll do is I will add that to the notes for the show, all those different accounts, so that the family can um, check out your website and uh, follow you and um, – all those different things to see all the things that you have going on. So Judith, what introduced awesome. you? How did, how did you get introduced to agriculture? How did that happen? Well, from North Carolina originally, um, as a little girl, I always wanted to have me a little red tractor. Mm. So as a young girl, I always started working with agriculture in, in my own way. Mm. Um, we grew up in a time of sharecropping. So I used to help my cousin uh, with tobacco. And from then on, I started working with the organization 
approximately 13, 14 years ago. Mm -hmm. And they, we worked with minority farmers and landowners. So I started working with them. Wow. And with that, I, they had a bee, they had a beehive. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, tell me about this beehive. You know, how, how do you make honey and stuff? So I started, you know, teaching, um, going to different classes, uh, to a bee, beekeeping school mm-hmm. and just started reading and just studying. And then I had a mentor, which is famous, John, John Austin. Mm-hmm. He allowed me to have my first beehive on my property. Wow. So I just started doing, doing that, but I just love agriculture from, it's like, for me, I feel like bee, agriculture and bee, beekeeping saved my life. Wow. You know, because at times when you, I was going through things, I always came back to the land mm-hmm. and it just gave me a peace mm-hmm. to just to see, like, I, as I get older, I see like nature. Mm-hmm. And I learned to appreciate things about nature, just seeing the flowers or just seeing a bee come out there and land on a flower or even going to, into the hive with some pollen on his leg. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's how I really started with it, with, with actually with the organization, with them doing the agriculture, um, where I started, you know, working with the youth, doing community gardens and just traveling around different states and helping farmers to be able to learn how to market their produce. Yeah. And giving them ideas how to, you know, what to grow or their things that were in commodity for for their um for selling for them. So everything that you said just prompted so many more questions. That was so fascinating. So <laughs> <laughs> what were some of the things that you shared with farmers about how to best market their goods and produce? Well the organization that I used to work with, uh, um they, we were the first and only black organization that sold to Marriott hotels. Wow. So that was a pilot project that we did. So we had a lot of farmers that we would get to bring their crops in mm-hmm. and we would tell them what the high end product that would be able to sell. And then we would actually go in and, and help to be able to get their products to market. Cause we had a truck we had. We would take their produce up to up north to Maryland, Philadelphia, Connecticut, so we could be able to allow them to be able to have some produce that they could sell. Because sometimes they didn't have a lot a lot of acreage, yeah. but one or two boxes put together could. It's a community working together. Yeah. And it was and, and it was and it was still saving and allowing to help the black farmers to be able to keep their land. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you 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 were a part of like creating a collective of black farmers, and it sounds like what you all realized is there was sort of like powers and a power in numbers or uh, sort of combining your forces. Wow. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. It's all about you know sustaining the land. Mhm. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I have to, I have so many questions. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so did you grow up around like farmers? Like was that part of like the family tradition or how did that even happen? I know that you said you wanted a red track. Well, no, well, yeah, well, we, we never did really have per se as a farm per se. Mm-hmm. We had maybe about three or four acres, but we used to have beside my house, we had a small cotton field. Okay. And I remember growing up, we was going picking the picking the cotton, mm-hmm. and then we had 
when the season was over for, for the cotton, we would go and we had cucumbers. And we would go pick up the cucumbers, and then we would take the, the ones that were a little smaller for market. Uh-huh. We would take it to downtown to their shed, and they would go in, and they would get them, this, I guess, a pickling. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, the big, and the big ones we would keep. We were, like, excited to get keep the big ones because we knew we could go and have us um, our vinegar and salt and pepper, and we could cut up the, the cucumbers and stuff. So we did that, and that's how we did have we had some hogs, you know, yeah. in the back, maybe like one or two. But far as like a big, you know, plot of land, we didn't have. We had like a small garden. Uh-huh. So my dad, even to the day, my dad, he goes and he has his, his small garden and everything with my grandkids. So, um, but that's how, how we, you know, we did. But I've always wanted to to do something with garden. Because, you know, back in the day, my grandmother used to cook fresh collard greens. Yeah. And... So when I started working with the organization, they were they were the only only black dairy farmer in North Carolina. Wow. So they have a lot of history with them as well. Yeah. And they were in the back in, into the black lawsuit where the farmers got discriminated against. So I was into that. I did a documentary. Actually did three documentaries um surrounding that. Um but with them, we had to, you know, continue to help the farmers understand uh-huh. you know about the importance of the, of the land and everything okay. so i i would go in there and i would i rode the tractor i drove the tractor i would help plow the hay uh-huh. um, i would go in and milk the cows uh-huh. um i had during the summer times i would get my kids and other kids from the school and taught them how to keep the calves and milk the cows and we did shiitake mushrooms on logs wow. and just got them back into you know, just actually being around, right? You know, produce and just growing and stuff. That's so cool. And so, what do you think were some of the things that um, was most surprising from the the younger folks when, as you sort of introduced them to agriculture? What What do you think they were most excited about? Well, I was surprised because back in you know, you have all this land. Pretty much everyone's around. Mm-hmm. farming or just gardening mm-hmm. but I did a six weeks program from the program with citizen school and it was an after school program I did a six week program where I introduced kids with um garden and agriculture and each student had to go around and pick a specific um like program they wanted to be in and mine's about agriculture mm-hmm. so I had a, a live I had a live bunny rabbit oh my and I had a big I had a big pink um I think it was a pig suit on <laughs> and so and that was because we kind of like doing a like a uh, interview they had an interview was like they wanted to be in our program so i had uh-huh. probably about 15 to 16 kids that wanted to be on our program yeah so that's what we did a, a school garden you know i talked about the careers in agriculture mm-hmm. um different produce you know about nutrition value we did cooking so things of that nature. So it was really exciting that they were interested. We did community garden. Maybe we did a school garden. We planted a tree at the school. Wow. And it was it was fun. Wow. You know, so I, mean, I get excited when I talk about agriculture. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, just... because we, every, because, you know, because everything that I would tell people, everything that we have comes from agriculture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely Anything we right. have, because we had to, something had to be grown from something that we have today. It may came to a different means of after the transformation, uh-huh. but it had to come from something that we grow. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. So it's very, it's very important. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. What do you, what do you think it is that, um, is that pocket of black farmers? Is that still, that still active, that collective that you were working with? Yes, mm-hmm. they're still um, going. I think with the, the director and she's getting older now. Mm-hmm. But I work from I work with farmers in um, Oklahoma, Maine, mm-hmm. California. We were all over the states, you know, working with we had different or like nonprofit organizations, mm-hmm. and we would just have meetings and farmers and just kind of talk about the different struggles that farmers were going through, mm-hmm. and also about the information about the black lawsuits, be able to get the farmers get their lands back. We had a lot of farmers, actually a couple of organizations is in North Carolina uh-huh. that farmers maybe two or three years ago lost all their land and their, their cows or their pigs because of um, loans that they wasn't able to oh. maintain with the USDA or FH, you know, with different loan organizations. Okay. So they just kind of, you know, get back to allowing them to understand and how to prevent this from happening in the future. Right. So, Judith, what is the name of some of the documentaries that you've done? I want to make sure that we capture that. Um, I did. It was, um, let me see, The Struggles of the Black Farmer. Okay. Um, another one was Going Back to the Land. And it's all, it's all on the Documentary Institute in, in North Carolina. That's okay. Where, that was on the website. Okay. Okay. I definitely mm-hmm. will put that up, too, so that people can check those out. Um, that's incredible. Okay. Um, so you went to beekeeper school. What what do yes. you what is what do you learn in beekeeper school? I like I didn't even <laughs> know. I'm what what happens? Well, well, what we do is pretty much we talk about the anatomy of the bees, mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of like in different stages of the, about beekeeping. What's the importance of it? Um, how to maintain the beehive? Mm-hmm. The diseases of a bee of the bees mm. and just pretty much had to maintain a, a beehive okay okay that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense is the is the field of beekeepers is that diverse like are there a lot of black beekeepers no and that was one of the things why i wanted to do it mm. uh, um i like to be quote unique <laughs> and I, I thought there was a lot of um there were a lot of male white Mm. and to beekeeping um now i'm seeing a lot more females doing it but when i first started it was a lot of males that were white that was in that so even even now when i go to a lot of the organization meetings Mm -hmm. um for beekeeping i maybe maybe me and maybe one more black person there Mm -hmm. but usually i'm the only i'm the only one there but you know i'm I'm there because i want to learn right and You know, I just go there and, and, you know, I mingle everybody and I try to learn, you know, if you don't mm-hmm. want to teach me that I will, I'll read and I will find other ways to be able to find information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know you that's know, right. So. so if you don't create a way, I'll make a way, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's awesome. Yep. So what, what do you think brought you into entrepreneurship? Um, because now you have uh, Hampton Rose Honey. Um, and so mm-hmm. why, why be an entrepreneur? Well, I wanted to really, it's, as hard as I work, I was thinking, why should I work for someone else? 
Mm. You know, it's I was I spent researching and doing things I do. I wanted to be able to create something that I could pretty much maintain mm-hmm. and guide my own destiny because I know I, how hard I work for other people and even organizations there. I would work from early morning to late at night, early morning, researching, creating different avenues uh-huh. and things of that nature. So I'm like, well, I want to do it. And I want to do it in my, my way because sometimes we work with someone else, you had to get approval and they didn't think your idea was good and you couldn't do it. Right. And I just wanted to be able to really show the things that I knew and want to be creative in that far as being an entrepreneur for myself. Uh-huh. I love love sharing. I love helping people. And I just wanted to, to do something with bees in agriculture. Mm-hmm. And then when I started working with the, I started as a hobby with beekeeping. Then I was like, well, you know what? Why don't I just branch out and just start as a business? You know? Mm-hmm. So, so I have, a, I have a goal that I want to be the um, minority female black beekeeper, mm-hmm. commercial beekeeper. Right. You know, and you know, so the other things I want to be able to do, but you know, that's what I am looking forward to. Yeah. You know, and to be able to get and other women to be able to be interested in as well. Mm-hmm. You know? Wow. Okay. So I, you know, we were talking earlier and I was telling you how excited I was to do this interview and I still am. I still have more questions, but I uh, was talking <laughs> to my sister uh, this morning about um, our conversation, our interview that was happening today. And she, <laughs> she was excited too. And she had her own questions. So this is my sister's question. Uh-huh. So <laughs> she, okay. she was curious about the honey <laughs> and like mm-hmm. specifically she, she wanted to know, like, does the honey change from like season to season or throughout the year? Or how does that, is it connected to the type of bee or, um, you know, cause sometimes honeys can have different colors and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So she, she was just really curious about that. Well, honey is, it comes in different flavors. It just depends on what it's being pollinated by the bee. Uh-huh. So there are two types of, there are two types of bees. There are Italian bees. There are Russian bees. The oh. Italian bees are pretty much a lot of people have because they're more, they call it more tamer mm. than the Russian bees. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it all, also depends on the, as she said before, the seeds because there are different things that are blooming during different seasons. Uh-huh. So when the bee goes out, they are getting the pollen and the nectar from that particular flower. Uh-huh. So it does make it, it, it does, does make it um, different colors because there are, there are several types of honey. There are sourwood, there are blueberry, there's even um, tobacco honey, which is a, like a really tart but they're um, wildflower. So there's, the wildflower is pretty much, it's no particular flower that gets go all over. Uh-huh. But then there's sometimes they're called um, sourwood and lavender, lavender honey. Uh-huh. But see, it has to be a certain, it's about a five acre, they would say that you can, you can say that that honey is from that particular um, product. Oh. So okay. if you have like about a five acre, plot of lavender you can say that's a lavender okay. lavender honey or if you have a pretty much bigger acre of sourwood that could be sourwood honey or blueberry oh. because it has to be so much a percentage of that product mm-hmm. has to be from you know within that honey oh. so and that, and that does make it lighter or 
or darker. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So, I have to answer her question. <laughs> you did. You did. I'm gonna tell her about this. She's gonna be so fascinated. Yeah. Now I learned something too because I didn't. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Because so bees, okay. bees, bees are going everywhere. You know, bees yeah. are like all over. So it's not like you know you can say, well, this is from that particular one, unless you have a certain amount of acreage, because bees can go out at least two miles from their hive to go out there to get their pollen or nectar. Oh, okay. So, um, <laughs> okay, so Judith, can you explain to me sort of how the honey happens when the bee gets to the flower and it goes back to the hive, and then what happens? What's the process from there? Okay, so the bee would get the pollen and the nectar, mm -hmm. and they would go into the hive. They would take it into the hive, and then their the other bees, which are the worker bees, they would go in and turn, and they had the the pollen, and they kind of like put it in their their tongue, kind of like, and they kind of from one bee to the other, and they kind of, I want to say, how could I say it to in normal terms, not beekeeping terms. <laughs> um, <laughs> they kind of put it to where the the honey with the, the pollen and the nectar is kind of like mixed up, kind of like in a liquid type form. Yeah. And they put it into what we see like the the little um, honeycomb. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they, they put that into the hive okay. or the frame. Because each little thing, they have individual... Parts of the the beat the hive they have frames in it and there's the ones where things will stick to pull out and they have the honey inside of this frame. Okay. So when a bee when a beekeeper when a bee which is the queen because they only have one queen in the hive, mm -hmm. they come in and they lay eggs. Mm -hmm. And this is where some a lot of the bees you know the little baby bees come from. Mm -hmm. But when they bring the, the honey in, they bring that in to be able to feed the baby bees or even the queen bee. Mm. So that's how they, they that's how the honey is produced because they come from like the pollen and the nectar go in. It kind of like swallow it through their in, inner sides, you know, glands or whatever. Right. And that's, and that's how they do it. And they put it into the, into the frame. Ah. And the frame, is that is that the honeycomb once it's all filled up? Is that what that is? Yeah, so they have, there's two types of frames. There's some frames that have like a plastic um, piece in there, mm -hmm. which is like a pre-made panel, which the bees, they make their wax comb on that. Oh. Then there's another, then there's another one that they have, which doesn't have anything in it. And the bees have to actually make their honeycomb just natural. You know, sometimes you see honey back in the day with the honey mm -hmm. on something like just open. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much how it is. It's just kind of like in a frame type thing, but they have to actually make their own um, cone. Wow. Wow. So and it takes a lot of, takes a lot of energy. If we think about it, it takes a lot of energy for the bees to make honey. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it takes, you know, time and energy because they have to go back in and redo that honeycomb again to be able to, because this honey, the honeycomb is actually where they actually, they lay their eggs. Mm -hmm. 
and then they then the bees are come the bees come out of there and then they kind of cover it up. They, we call it capping. Okay. So once once the bees are out and they cap the um the comb, then after everything is cut out, you know, capped out as we call it, then we go in after a certain season, we go and get a, a knife, hot knife or something, we just take that cap off and it's the honey is out produced out of there. Ah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. You're so welcome. Oh my goodness. And I'm not sure people know that there are three types of bees inside of a hive. There's a queen bee, which is one queen bee. There are workers, which is maybe it's like sometimes ten to twenty thousand. Then there's drones, which the drone bees are we call male bees, and all that they do is they mate with the queen and after that they mate with the queen they die soon soon after they mate with the queen they die but during the winter time they they kick the they kick the drone bees out with the male they kick the drone bees out of the hive so they're no longer any good i mean sorry man but (laughs) but i guess they you know they had that fun time you know right once they once they um they mate with the queen and during the wintertime, they come, if they end up coming back to the hive, they usually kick them out anyway. Wow. Yeah. So, oh, and drones. work, uh, drone, drones, they, you know, like I said, they usually die soon after the mate with the queen. Mm-hmm. A worker bee, they usually live about six weeks. Okay. Because they're nursing the, they're nursing the baby bees, they're feeding the queen. Um, her food and just making sure that there's nur- there's nursing worker bees and then there's bees that goes out to find out where the food is. Wow! So the workers, the worker bees usually kind of like take care of the hive, any dead bees in there, or just kind of like make sure that the baby bees are fed and the nurse, the um, queen bee is fed, and then the queen can live maybe sometimes two to three years. What? Wow! Okay. Yeah. And each each year. We have a certain color because sometimes we, most of the time, in order to be able to find the, the queen bee, we put a mark on her. Uh-huh. But each year we have a different color so we know how old the bee is. Oh. Like it's like it's like universal. Everybody knows, okay, this year is a blue bee, it's for 2018, or next year it'll be a different color so we know this bee is from for this year. Wow. Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. I feel like I need to, okay. That was so good, Judy. Thank you. <laughs> because some of that sounds a little familiar. Because don't aren't there drones in the ant world as well? Is that I feel like there are. But, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they do because the male probably, you know. Yeah. Okay. So some of that sounded mm-hmm. a little yeah. familiar, but I didn't realize that after mm-hmm. they made it, they were done. That that was it. So yeah. okay. <laughs> okay. Even, even even with a bee though, even with a bee. If a bee sting you, and uh-huh. um, drones, they, drones don't have stingers, okay? So they can't sting you. Uh-huh. But worker bees do. But once a bee sting you, they die. Uh-huh. Because the stinger is pretty much like their intestine. Uh-huh. Coming, so it's like, and when you take me, if you notice it, if you see when it sting you, uh-huh. and the little thing that's coming out, that's actually their inside intestines coming out, and it's uh-huh. pretty much ripped out of their system. So they die. Oh. So, you know, as beekeepers, we like, we want to, we want to make sure our, our commodity is our, 
workers are still alive. You know, we try mm-hmm. to protect them. Right. You know, absolutely. Because they do cost. <laughs> I bet they do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's so cool. Um, so if somebody wanted to get into um, beekeeping and they mm-hmm. decided they were going to go to beekeeper school, what is mm-hmm. like the, the starter packet? Like, how do you start beekeeping? What, what do you mean? Well, well, I am getting ready to start a um, class. Oh. I'll probably do it online okay. where I can do classes online for beekeeping. Yeah. But what you would do is you have to pretty much, it's best that you start with one hive mm-hmm. just to kind of get familiar with it. But, but then also when you're going to school, um, that we talk about different equipment, what the equipment, what's the use of the equipment. Mm-hmm. And usually for like, I would say, because right, okay, first of all, let me step back. In North Carolina, we buy, we call it package bees. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's a box of about 20, 30,000 bees in this wooden box, but it has frames around it. Mm-hmm. And it's like a little container in the middle it has what they to feed the bees with, but then they have a queen bee in there. But the queen bee is isolated from the other bees. But still, the worker bees are able to feed her food. Okay. Wow. Because people raise bees too. They raise queen bees just mm-hmm. for that purpose. Because queen bees, that's why they die. So we can actually buy a queen bee by itself. Okay. But we can also buy a package of bees which is a big box of just bees. Mm-hmm. And then you would go in and you would put them in your, your frame or your hive. Okay. So use it, I would say from your gear to the bees, um, probably about $400. It would mm-hmm. probably cost the, the startup hmm. to get your, your tools you need, the bees. And if you get, um, you can start smaller because mm-hmm. it's what we call it's, something called a nook it's like five frames mm-hmm. and people probably could start with that because it's a little smaller and if you're learning but as you get as you graduate we go to something called eight to ten frames which you have a deep a medium and a super yeah. and it's just a bigger box that we have to be able to accommodate more honey hmm. wow. so okay okay so wow okay I'm just, I'm just so fascinated by this. I'm so fascinated. <laughs> so, um, I, I'm curious though, in terms of like, um, so it's clear that you have had this passion for agric- agriculture and now beekeeping for some time. And that sort of is what, um, keeps you going. And you even talked about how working the land is, is peaceful, but, from my perspective, um, not at all being an agriculture, but very much being an entrepreneur, this is mm-hmm. the the idea of like maintaining a business can be quite stressful. And so mm-hmm. um, because there's there's some predictability, but mostly things can kind of happen out of nowhere in terms of how you um, how you mm-hmm. manage the business, which you have to take care of. And so how do you manage that? How do you manage um the stressfulness that can happen um when it comes to owning a business what do you do to take care of yourself well one thing i try to stress things because mm. we because with bees 
you know, bees, we have things called the um, colony collapse, where at any time a bees could just disappear from your hive and you, you don't know what's going on because that's what's going on right now because of the chemicals and everything. So we try to please try not to use chemicals around, even to the point of on your indoor plants, like on your window seals or whatever, mm-hmm. the chemicals are killing our bees. Mm. And so, so, you know, for me, this is what, these are my workers, and this is what helps me to be able to become a beekeeper and have my business. So right. I try to make sure that I spend time to be able to educate myself on my, my career of choice, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Also, I try to take time out for myself to even, because for me as a female, those boxes are heavy. Yeah. So I try to, for me, is to not say that I'm all, you know, man, but I try to ask for help to be able to, to continue to take care of myself because I'm not trying to go there and hurt myself. Right. So I don't mind asking for help to be able to do it. But then also I have a time where I have peace mm-hmm. where I can just go in and just appreciate the small things in life and just kind of rest my mind and just kind of regroup again. Mm-hmm. But just kind of too, as I go and try to keep a goal of what I'm trying to do for that, that day and try to maintain it, try to keep a schedule. Sometimes okay. that doesn't work. Right. But I <laughs> right. think as an entrepreneur is just, you know, understanding that you can't always predict everything and just be, and be okay with it, mm-hmm. you know. And one thing is that we have to understand about stress, you know, and we have to just know what we can do and what we can't do. And what we can do, just try to make sure that we are working towards it, but just not to stress ourselves out. Right, right. So you sort of recognize your limits and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. you try to remain flexible as well. And those mm-hmm. are the things that are helpful. That's, that's some good lessons there. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Judith, I feel like I could keep you in this interview all night. I'm not going to do that though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, we, can, we can come back on, on next yeah. segment. Or okay. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, cause I know once I tell my sister about what your answer was about the honey, she's going to have five more questions. So, uh, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but this has been so fun, but before you go, can you tell me what does minding my black business mean to you? Well, I feel that it means being creative and for it, just sharing our culture of what our ancestors came back to. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so happy to hear that, you know, you started your business mm-hmm. with your, your, your podcast and everything because we had to work together. Mm-hmm. And I always said the more, we work together, the bigger we can have Absolutely. things. We had to work together as a unit. And for people to share and say, okay, this is what we do, to be able to continue to network with each other mm-hmm. is being unique, is taking pride in what we do, is being determined, being creative. Mm-hmm. And your exposure to the community about Black entrepreneurs and what we do, because we're so creative and we can do it if we work together and just support each other. So I thank you for your platform. I thank you for allowing me to be able to present and talk about what I do, my passion. Absolutely. And I think it's awesome that, you know, you have this um, platform that people can go out and share their uniqueness. Yeah, that's exactly it, Judith. That is exactly it. I, I, because we are in some very untraditional spaces. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you are an example <laughs> of that, doing the work and doing it well. And if I can find ways to get us all connected to each other, just like you said, then I think we all win. 
Um, exactly. So not only is it connection is important to me i want to make sure that everybody's doing okay i don't want us working mm-hmm. our fingers down to the bone i want us to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves physically but more importantly emotionally um so managing mm-hmm. that stress and isolation and all the other things that happen for entrepreneurs so thank you mm-hmm. thank you for doing what you're, you're so doing welcome for being a pioneer you. in your field and representing us i love it <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Hampton Rose Honey. <laughs> Hampton Rose Honey. That's it. So if you want to know more and you like what you heard, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast. Also, follow the movement on our website, MindingMyBlackBusiness.com, and on our Facebook and Instagram pages under Minding My Black Business, and on Twitter undermining my black biz so peace and blessings to us all family and when you're out there and they ask you what you're doing let them know that you're minding my black business